baby walked in to find him out of his crib with poop all over. Oh my god. <laughs> I've got to teach them the real word for these, like, penis. My husband's like, really, Sarah? And I was like, really? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Welcome to Spark. I'm Angela Wagner. And I'm Nicole Esquino. And together we're here as your host for a mix of happy hour style venting and results-based coaching. Spark is a judgment-free space where we'll chat about both the brilliant bits of life as well as the bits that are a little more sucky. With lightness, laughter, and the belief that there's no such thing as oversharing, we'll guide you in finding clear paths out of murky messes and toward discovering inspiration in everyday moments. This week, we have a very special episode for all of the ladies and the brave men in their lives. Our special guest, Sarah Reardon, aka the Vagina Whisperer, is here to talk about women's pelvic health, demystify the vagina, and answer Nicole's questions about what it's really like to have a baby. Remember, there's no such thing as oversharing in this podcast. (laughs) And today, it becomes really real. So welcome, Sarah. Hey, y'all. Oh, we're so excited to have you. So Sarah is a pelvic health physical therapist specializing in prenatal and postpartum care for women. She is a New Orleans native who just returned home after 17 years away, and she had lived in Dallas before that. She's a mom of two, and her youngest is five months old, a wife of one, as she says. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to be clear about that. Just be clear, wife of one, yes. And trying to save the world one vagina at a time. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So why don't you give us a little bit of background? A lot of people don't know what a pelvic health physical therapist is or what you do. Sure. So I am a physical therapist um, by degree. I went to physical therapy school and I specialized in women's health right out of graduate school. And I treat women and I actually treat men as well with any type of issues in the pelvic region. So it could be bladder issues like incontinence or overactive bladder or um, leakage. It could be pooping issues like constipation or not being able to make it to the bathroom in time when you have to poop. Um, And sexual issues like pain with intercourse or pelvic pain, pain with sitting. And I had my first kiddo two and a half years ago, and I really got interested in the pregnancy and postpartum space of women's health. So helping women during pregnancy to prepare for birth, preventing tears, teaching them how to do perineal preparation um, for pushing, and just relieving aches and pains during pregnancy, and then also recovery afterwards if they have a vaginal delivery or a C-section. Yes. Okay. So the way that I know Sarah is that I was a patient of hers and I was so fascinated. Just, I like to tell the story because it's, it goes back to another thing that I talked about on another podcast, which is that you really have to be an advocate for your own health and wellness. And when you feel like something's wrong and you don't feel like wherever you're going is working and not that the person you're seeing isn't a good doctor or therapist, but maybe just not the right fit for what you need, 
just keep looking because I went to, I think, three different physical therapists. I had this pain way up what I thought was like near like the top of like the attachment of my hamstring. And I finally went to a therapist that said, I think that maybe you should go see a women's pelvic floor specialist. I think that this is actually in your pelvic floor muscles. And I was like, really? And because it was so close to like where they were working, it really was like almost the same spot. Like it's all connected up there. And I was like, what is a women's physical therapy? What is that? And I did was like, I don't want to go to another therapist paying more money and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of ignored them. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went along my way and it still was in pain for years. And then I had my massage therapist who Sarah and I both know. She's amazing, Norma. Amazing. Amazing. And I told her about it and she was like, you have to go see Sarah. And so she convinced me to go see you. And I'll tell you, I'm pain free now. So which is unbelievable. And then I think it was in between babies is when I came to see you, right? Yes. Yes. It was after Luke and before you were even pregnant with Zoe. Yeah. And then I think we worked together through the preparation for Zoe. So it was kind of neat because I ended up getting a lot of care and support in having a birth that I didn't the first time. And then also after care, like you helped me with my C-section scar, which no one had ever told me you're supposed to massage it. I mean, you can tell people. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? We'll go a little onto that topic, because I just thought that was fascinating. There's a lot of women that have C-sections. Yes. Um, in the U.S., in fact, it's one in three births is actually by C-section now. So, you know, just as you would massage your scar after any other surgery, whether it be a knee surgery or hernia surgery, um, you know, physicians just aren't really giving the direction of how to take care of yourself after a cesarean section. So I instruct women on how to massage that scar so that it doesn't kind of pucker or adhere, um, which is really common, that adherence can contribute to bladder issues, abdominal pain, pain with intercourse, discomfort wearing tight pants, and even you can have a loss of sensation in that area. So I think physically, those are some of the benefits. But I even think emotionally, I hear women a lot saying, I don't want to touch it, or I cry when I even think about it. And I think a lot of emotional and psychological healing can occur by really working on that scar. And um, that happens in our therapy clinic or whether they're doing it at home. But I think it's a really important step um, for multiple reasons. Oh, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, because I had kind of a weird relationship to it. I was talking to one of my yoga students and I said, let me show you um, because her baby's four and she's never touched her scar. She has like a major issue with it. And I was like, no, no, I, (laughs) I can help you get it, you know, have it feel better and have a better relationship to it. So uh, yeah, that's so common for women. But I will say a cute little story. I I kind of love my scar now. Well, one, because it looks and feels better. But two, so Nicole was over and I said to, you know, Luke, we call her Coco. So he's like, Coco's having a baby. <laughs> just like mommy. And, you know, he felt her belly and he looks at her and he goes, how does the baby come out? <laughs> and what did you say? Oh, and well, Nicole was like, kid, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really clear on that part yet. <laughs> She's like, we're going to talk to Sarah soon. But no. Um, so what I said later was I said, the doctor made a pocket for you. And I showed him my scar. And I said, and this is your pocket. And they pulled you out of the pocket. And so almost every day, he's like, mommy, can I see your pocket? Oh, that's the pocket where I was in. And I was a baby and in your belly. And, and so it's kind of neat in a way because he can't, I'm not going to be like, you came out of my vagina and that's this whole right. year. You know, it's a little weird for a three-year-old. 
But he and sometimes he'll call it my scratch, which is kind of cute. <laughs> um, so it's kind of it's kind of neat, you know, so it's, it was nice for me because it's like this kind of cool thing that I can share with him, which is never really something you think about with a C-section. The word cool is never involved. So Right. I actually think that that's beautiful. And I haven't ever heard anyone say that or explain it. I haven't heard them explain to their, their kiddo that way. But I think that that's beautiful. And that is really cool. He kind of gets to visually see where he came from mommy versus, yeah, showing him your vagina. Yeah. Could inappropriate you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird yeah yeah it's because you know how you see like their brains just turning like and they're trying to figure things out and it's like kind of, I don't even still get the whole fact that like you came out of my body I'm still trying to process that <laughs> you know it is so crazy oh man I wish y'all could see my face right now my eyes are like really big <laughs> Through this whole conversation, my eyes just keep getting bigger. <laughs> I know. We might scare Nicole through this process. I, I, I think I do that sometimes. Like I for the the uninitiated, I definitely have verbal diarrhea and they're like, Whoa, I don't know wanna know all of that actually. So <laughs> I, I apologize in advance. I know. Well, here's the thing though, what I I found because I had a friend, I knew I was gonna have a C section because Luke was breech, which for those of you that don't know, it just means that he was turned around and so they don't allow vaginal births with breech babies anymore in the US, which my doctor actually said she used to do them. And she actually really likes doing them, but they they won't let them. Most hospitals won't. So I was really bummed about it. And I asked a friend and she just kind of told me everything. And she's like, here's the stuff no one told me that I wish someone had told me. And so it was nice because even though at the time it was scary, it was less scary during the process because I wasn't like, oh, they're tying my arms up like I'm Jesus on the cross. Like that would have felt weird if like like in a C-section, they like, they like kind of rope your hands. It's weird. Your wrists, you know, so that you don't like, I guess accidentally flinch I don't know it's weird but anyway so I find it to be really useful then you're not as scared in the process or like the amount of bleeding things like that you know I think it's good to know that that's going to happen yeah so um you may thank us later Nicole (laughs) totally I'll let you know (laughs) keep us posted (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and all the people that like, there's probably a lot of people turning off the podcast that are like, I don't want to know this yet. No, but we're <laughs> going to talk about some stuff that's not related to birth that is just everyday stuff. So stay tuned for sure. Um, so Sarah, why don't you give us a little bit of information about why you chose this specialty? That's a great question, Angela. And I don't have an amazing answer for it. I mean, <laughs> I um, I don't have any pelvic floor issues myself that I started with that kind of led me to this path. Um, when I was in graduate school, I think I just thought, oh, women's health sounds kind of cool. And I had a professor who was doing some of it. And I um, asked her questions and I ended up getting a clinical rotation in women's health. And I was the only one in our class of 65 who had any interest in it. And I went to Ann Arbor, Michigan for three months and shadowed a physical therapist. And I just thought working with the patients was really rewarding. And I think it's really awesome to meet people who have a safe space to share very private, intimate information with you, to build that trusting relationship, and to be able to see them and help them recover from something they didn't even know there was help for. I think it's really awesome. And so um, over the past 10 or 11 years I've been doing this, it's really the relationship with the patients that keeps me motivated, keeps me passionate. And I've learned so much as a woman myself, which was kind of how I learned how to to prepare for my own, the birth of my own two children and my recovery, and now, you know, stay on that mission of just educating more women and men about how to take care of themselves. And, you know, we all pee, we all poop, 
We all, most of us have sex, you know, a lot of us have babies. So these are really common things that we experience. And if something's going wrong in that area, we don't share it with people necessarily. So it's nice to be able to have open conversation with people to be able to do that. That was so refreshing for me. And I think the not feeling alone is a huge part of that because it's, it is such all of that stuff that you deal with is such an intimate part of our bodies that a lot of people are even scared to know about their own bodies, you know? Totally. I mean, nobody tells you how to properly push out a baby. Nobody educates you on what's the best way to poop, you know? So um, I think if we learn those tools, we can pass them on to our kiddos. We can have open conversations about our vaginas or our peeing and pooping. And it's not so mystical or embarrassing or lonely. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for doing it because you, you saved my life and we became friends and I just love Well, you're very sweet, but I love you as well. So I feel like I won in that situation <laughs> as well because I adore you. So Aww, we're <laughs> all mutual. winners. Well, tell them a little <laughs> bit about your Instagram because I was super pumped when you started and I love following you. Thank you. So um, I started this maybe six or seven months ago when I was pregnant with my second and I had several, several girlfriends, maybe 10 or 12 at one time who were also pregnant. And I said, gosh, I have all of this information that they ask me questions about or I want to share. And so I thought this is just a great, easy way to do that. So I started posting pictures about, um, you know, if you're having pain during pregnancy, this is what you can do or how to get out of bed properly or good yoga stretches or poses that are helpful. And then how to prepare your vagina for birth and how to recover from that. So I just started posting little tidbits of knowledge and intertwined were things about if you have painful sex, pelvic PT could be helpful or again, how to pee, how to poop properly and just things nobody teaches us. But I learned and share with my patients, but I wanted to kind of take it a step further and even just within my immediate circle. So I started doing it and then now it's just kind of the day to day with even my own life with my kiddos that I think a lot of women can relate to. And it's been great. I love it. It's fun for me. It's a way for me to feel connected with other people and feel like I'm continuing to share that info that I have. And then people teach me things too through it. So it's just growing as we've got a great following. And yeah, I would check it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's a little racy at times. But that's, <laughs> you know, what I do. So keeps it interesting. I love it. So what's the handle? It's at the period vagina period whisperer. So it's at the vagina whisperer. Did someone have the vagina whisperer without the periods? Yes. And I would not check that one out because it's slightly inappropriate. So. I was wondering that, but I thought that Instagram, it's very different from what you do. I terrible, actually. It's like, it makes me uncomfortable. So, and I'm pretty open. Well, but I thought Instagram didn't allow that kind of stuff. They don't. I mean, you can't even show a nipple on Instagram, but which for somebody like me is not that big of a deal because I look at vaginas all day. But um, <laughs> it's like some guy who's doing like racy stuff with a woman and trying to promote his like techniques for how to go down on a girl. So I'm, it's, you know, I don't know. I would just go to the period vagina. <laughs> so just, you Fantastic. know, Oh, God. We just gave him a big plug. Okay, good. I, know. I don't think so that's good. quite our audience. So, yeah. Good. Okay, so we're going to move on to Sarah's sucky moment of the week. Here's our sucky scale. One being kind of sucky. Five being super sucky. One. <sighs> two. Three. Seriously? 
four, five. And what do you rate your sucky moment as? You know, I rated it a three. Seriously? Only because my uh, husband was here for backup. So it could have been a four. Point five if I was solo that morning, but I did a three because we kind of handled it together. Okay, so why don't you share your moment? Um, so my moment was we are trying to teach my son to sleep in a toddler bed, and he has been crawling out in the morning. So I came up with the genius idea to turn the doorknob lock around and lock him in, which people may have their own opinions about the safety of that. I have my own questions about the safety of that, but we did it. And we walked in on Monday morning to find him out of his crib with poop smeared all over the chair, the floor, and the toys in his room. So it was uh, pretty gnarly. Oh, my gosh. So, and then I spoke with you, and you said that you also had that similar sucky moment. <laughs> I ago. did. I will tell. I can't remember what episode it was, but I will. I'll send it to you because... It was Zoe, so she was in her crib, so it was a little bit more contained. I can't imagine with the toddler. It must have been everywhere. It was everywhere, and he had no clue. Maybe he did, and I'm just naive, but he was like just looking totally innocent and was like, poo-poo diaper, you know, like nothing was wrong. And we locked him in because the night before, he had crawled into my newborn's crib. <laughs> so we were like, ah, we can't have that. So it was really like a safety issue because we woke up and he was in his brother's crib playing with him. So, you know, that's what happened the next morning. I guess he showed us who's boss. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what's your inspired action? So to keep a hazmat in the house, <laughs> <laughs> these things can happen. So really, it to just keep it light, I mean, we were pretty grossed out and it was a Monday morning and, you know, my husband's running late for work. but we you know, really just try to laugh it off and chuckle it up to this is just an event that he's, you know, just a kid. And, you know, just really try to keep it light and find the humor in these situations versus getting angry or mad or letting it ruin our day. So that was our future inspired action. Oh, I love it. Yes. Do you really, as a parent, you have to do that. <laughs> have to. Have to. That's, Nicole, I would write that one down because <laughs> we try to control this little guy and you realize he just isn't having it. So we have to kind of just let him be free and create, you know, creative, I guess. But, and then just really try to laugh it off because if we let every little thing get to us, we would just be, you know, grumpy all of the time. Totally. Oh, for sure. Hey guys, it's Angela here. I wanted to let you know about something I'm doing to celebrate my 40th birthday. I am gifting 40 free clarity calls, and this is my version of the 40 acts of kindness, and I'm calling it 40 for 40. So go to AngelaWagnerCoaching.com slash 40 for 40, and you can sign up for a session. It is zero selling. I promise you, I will do no selling on this call. This is just simply for me to give back and put into the world and to connect with those of you that listen to the podcast. Or if you have friends that are working through something, we'll spend 30 minutes together. And I really hope that you will reach out and connect so that I can help you discover what it is that sparks you. Okay. 
So we're going to move on to Sarah's expertise on pelvic health and give you guys a little bit of information, basic information that doesn't have to do with pregnancy. And then we'll get into some pregnancy stuff. Okay. So what do you Um, have for us? (laughs) I know. So let's, let's start with the basics. And I hope all the listeners are comfortable with this stuff, but also finding it useful. Um, I think let's just start with how to pee and how to poop. I mean, these are things that I teach all of my patients and, um, I post about on my Instagram, and I think they're just things that nobody really has taught us, and they can help prevent uh, pelvic floor issues down the line if you do these things properly. Let's go over how to how to pee. So the number one thing is to sit and not squat. I know that we've got some germaphobe mamas out there that want to hover over the toilet, but it's really best to sit down and just relax and to not power pee, which means like to strain or push when you pee. I was very guilty of this because I'm always in a hurry and I would like push out my pee really fast, but that can actually cause weakness in your muscles over time, which can lead to urine leaking out or your pelvic organs, like your bladder and your uterus um, not being supported. And it can lead to what's called prolapse. So to pee, you just sit down, relax, breathe, and just let your bladder do the work like a balloon that's going to push the, the pee out. So it really will work for you if you just kind of relax. Okay. So I'm, relax and sit down, Nicole. Got it? I'm totally guilty of that one. Like I try to be so efficient. I try to go as fast as I can. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do it. I know. We all do because we're like in a hurry all of the time. Mm-hmm. So don't do it because it can cause a lot of weakness to your muscles. And just relax and let everything just kind of tinkle out on its own. I like that. Tinkle out on its own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're going too often, you know, some of the things that cause that are caffeine, um, sodas, spicy foods, which in Texas we were having all the time, and acidic things like orange juice or grapefruit juice. So if you find yourself going a lot, the first thing I tell people is to cut those things out and to drink enough water so that your urine's almost clear. Um, another thing is I don't think people drink enough water and that can actually cause your bladder to get more irritated and more have more urgency and even lead to constipation. So just drink plenty of water and then avoid some of those other irritating beverages. Okay. Good information. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to go into the good stuff next, pooping. <laughs> Take it there. All right. Let's do it. Um, So this is actually one of my favorites because I think – a lot of people are having trouble pooping. And if you don't have a good poop, it could totally ruin your day. And if you have an amazing poop, you can have an amazing day. I mean, Isn't it, can that so liter- true? <laughs> it can literally make or break your day, whether you have a good poop or not. So uh, the way to poop, I'm a big fan of the squatty potty. Um, like <laughs> any, I mean, I wish I could own stock in this company if it went public because I own several and I recommend them to my patients all of the time. I even saw a two-pack at Costco the other day, so you can really find them anywhere. But if you put a stool under your feet, it kind of brings your knees up a little bit and puts you more in the squatting position. And that helps relax your pelvic muscles so that your poop can empty better. It's kind of like unkinking a hose so that you can empty better. And just by that one trick, people really are able to poop a lot easier. And then I always recommend don't strain, don't hold your breath kind of breathe out like you're blowing out a candle or something so that you don't hold your breath because though that can also cause some weakness in your muscles that could lead to leakage of urine or poop down the line or prolapse. So that's it. I mean, I think that and 
plenty of water, plenty of, I know you guys talk a lot about diet and healthy eating on your podcast and that's essential. I mean, these are all lifestyle changes. You can't kind of eat crappy food and then expect your body to respond well. So plenty of fruits and veggies, plenty of water, and then, you know, trying to squat when you poop. It's funny that you- because I remember watching Shark Tank and they were Squatty Potty was on Shark Tank and yes. I, they got a great deal. And I was thinking, I can't believe this thing is going to sell. I mean, what? And it's like they have made so much money. That's so funny that you saw them on there because I did not. And we were recommending their product, I think, well before they were on there. And it's something I wish I would have come up with because it, she was actually, I think, a mom of a kiddo who had constipation and came up with this. And they're doing awesome. I mean, I totally recommend it. Use a stool from Ikea. Use yoga blocks under your feet. And whatever you want to do to kind of elevate your feet. But it definitely makes a difference. Yeah. I kind of laughed it off with the Shark Tank. And then when I came to see you, you suggested it. So we got one and we have one in our bathroom. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a funny thing to buy. But they have them at like Bed Bath & Beyond. and Yeah. And you can order them off Amazon. And, you know, for my – I always recommend them. And then – for my husband's 40th birthday, which was uh, about two years ago, I did two things for him. And one was when he woke up in the morning, I put a walker next to his bed, (laughs) (laughs) which he didn't think was that funny. But then I also bought him a squatty potty with like a bright blue bow. And he was like, really? And I was like, really, you're going to thank me later. And so we have one in every bathroom of our home. But yeah, I'm a big fan. That's so funny. Okay, so (laughs) do you have any Any tips for women, non-pregnant women, for vaginal health? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think the number one thing is that I try to tell women about their vaginas is that pain is not normal. So if you have pain with pooping, pain with urination, pain with sex, pain with sitting, pain is kind of always an indicator that something's not working properly in that area. And even, you know, for yourself, Angela, it's like I totally agree with you and your point about you have to be a real advocate for your own health because so often we have women coming in and men who say, I wish I would have known about pelvic physical therapy sooner or why didn't my doctor tell me about this and I just found you on the internet or through a friend. So you really do have to listen to your body and trust your intuition. And if you feel like something's not right, it probably isn't. So um, that's the number one thing is just listen to your body. Um, for regular vaginal health, anything that's happening chronically, like chronic yeast infections or urinary tract infections or pain or anything like that, I would definitely, you know, see a pelvic health therapist. People often think it's maybe it's just an infection or this, but the muscles down there can be involved with any type of pooping, peeing, pain, or sexual health issue. Um, even things like difficulty having an orgasm or pain after sex or you know, uh, tailbone pain, things we don't always think about with when it talks, we talk about the vagina. But I also, I think for regular vaginal health, I just say wear cotton underwear. Don't like do crazy things like douching or like crazy scents down there or scrub it. I mean, it's really like a self-cleaning oven. You can just rinse it with water. Some really mild, <laughs> believe it or not, it's true. Some really mild soap and um That might be our quotable for this episode. Uh, it's really like a self-cleaning oven. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so and also just don't be afraid of it. I mean, I look at vaginas all day and it's like working on an ankle or a wrist. It's just another body part. It's not that mystical. It's not that, you know, 
crazy. It's just another body part. And I think just if we even just get comfortable with saying the word, it just opens up dialogue about like what's going on down there and what's normal and what's not. I know. I find that really interesting that in our society, like vagina and penis, like adults don't say the words like we even just like make little fun words for it as adults to adults. You know what I mean? Like we're like saying the JJ. (laughs) Yes. And that's one of the things is that, you know, now that we're raising kids, I'm like, I've got to teach them the real word for these things like penis or vulva. And my husband's like, really, Sarah? And I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just can't have my kid walking around being like the cuckoo caca, you know, when they're talking about their penis or something. So we say the word penis and we say the word vagina. And it's kind of funny even for me to be like, oh, this is what I'm teaching them. But I, this is where it starts in the home. We've got to teach them that it's just like saying elbow or arm or eye. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. So just be prepared if our friends ever play together that that's... Those are common words around here. Oh, yeah, no, I I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's been close to five years since I went through Angela's Spark program. At the time, I knew I wanted a shift in my life, but I didn't have a vision for what that meant or how to go about creating change. So Spark Program was pivotal in in defining what I didn't want in order to make space for what I did. Now that I'm five years out, things came in the right time and step by step, there were probably milestones that I was aware of um, and there's probably a lot of milestones that I wasn't. But one of the early stage milestones definitely was Angela's Spark Program. It was foundational to where I am today. Okay, so Nicole has some questions about what's about to happen with her life, right, Nicole? Oh my gosh, so many. My mind is a little blown right now. (laughs) Tell us where you are in your pregnancy and how you've been feeling and all that good stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. So I am right at 31 weeks. Down to like single digits on the week countdown. So that's exciting. Um, so exciting. But it's been like knock on wood, super smooth and no major complaints going on over here. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, fingers that's crossed. Awesome. That is awesome. Uh, that it continues for the next little bit. But I went to a couple of episodes ago, we talked about me going to my first birthing class, which totally rocked my world. And like totally scared me about everything I didn't really want to know. <laughs> but, really? Oh yeah. Like I was like this, there's pictures and there were videos and it was all unpleasant. I was like, oh, okay. Mind blown. <laughs> but um, I am excited to hear about like what I should be doing now in order to prepare for the baby. Cause I didn't get a lot of stuff. Most of it was like deer in labor. Like this is what you should be doing deer in labor. And I was like, okay, what can I be doing now? What's going to happen after? Like they kind of left all that out. Totally. And I love that you were asking this question. And I love when women and men ask this question because I always say, you know, pregnancy and childbirth, like a a marathon. I mean, you're for nine months, your body is changing at such a rapid and incredible pace. And nobody's really guiding you on like what's going on down there. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, cross the finish on and then you're like, now what? And 
there's very little, if any, education on how to take care of yourself after because it's all baby, 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 breastfeeding, 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 you know, and you're like, whoa, I just had a watermelon, you know, so um, I think that this is actually a great time in your pregnancy too. At about 31, 32 weeks, I still recommend regular exercise. Walking is wonderful. I tend to recommend people to start winding off of more rigorous exercise like bar classes or any kind of high intensity exercise and really getting more into yoga um, the last six to eight weeks. And I think a lot of that is just, it's good for your body, but it's also great for your mind, as you guys know. I mean, just really kind of calming yourself to prepare for what's going on and being very present and listening to your body. So walking daily, just some regular gentle yoga classes, nothing too hot. And with respect to your vagina, I start encouraging to do a lot of deep squats and not like a lot of up and down squats, but getting into a really deep squatting position and just holding it there for about a minute while you breathe just in and out. And what that does is it helps relax your pelvic floor muscles and also stretch that tissue right around the vaginal opening so that it can help prevent tearing if you're going to deliver vaginally. So those deep squats, alternatives to that are child pose or lying on your side and just bring your knees up to your chest. Those are other great options to kind of really get that stretch at that opening. And then right around 34 weeks, so you've got a few weeks to go on this, but I start encouraging women to do what's called perineal massage and preparing that perineal tissue, which is the tissue just at the base of the vagina to massage that to really soften it so that you get used to that stretching sensation. Um, you get used to kind of feeling that area because it's something that they may do during delivery as well. And then just softening the tissue so that when you have a vaginal delivery or if you have a vaginal delivery, um, that tissue is more likely to stretch and expand versus never having been massaged or softened before. So those, I mean, the perineal massage, the research shows that it may not make a difference, but I think even just psychologically to kind of get in touch with that area, know what some pressure could feel like that you may feel during delivery, know what the nurses are going to be doing during delivery. I think that that's super important. Yeah. They mentioned that in the birthing class I went to, but like no one ever, I was like, where is this? Like, what is this location? This is not a body part I've heard of before. Right. And they just kind of like breezed through it and there was no real, um, no real detail about it. And I was like, oh, well, I guess we're not doing that because I don't know what we're talking about here. <laughs> right. Which is so unfortunate because it really is so helpful to prepare those tissues. So I always, I actually have a video on my Instagram of doing it and you can look up instructions online, but I encourage every woman to start. You can do it on yourself or you, I even have partners come in and I teach a partner how to do it on their wife or partner. So they can also assist with it at home because it can be a little awkward to like reach around your tummy and all that good stuff. But you know, you can do it in the bathtub, you can do it on your bed, you do it with a little bit of um, coconut oil or you can use a water-soluble lubricant, but that is the one thing I absolutely recommend. And then the last thing that's pretty important is teaching you how to push. You know, the nurses or doctors may instruct you to like push or bear down, but you should really only do that when you're having contractions. If you don't feel a contraction or see one on the screen, you shouldn't be pushing because you're going to wear yourself out and you could totally blow out your pelvic floor and give yourself hemorrhoids or prolapse or promote tearing. So again, it's that listening to your body to just push at the right time. 
and then to not hold your breath when you push. You should be exhaling, just like you're pooping. You're just pooping at a baby. Um, you should be. It's like the same thing. But Or you may even poop during delivery, which is totally normal as well. But to exhale as you're pushing versus holding your breath, because that is not the appropriate way to push is by breath holding. Yeah, I found that like during contractions and stuff that ujjayi breath was actually like made it worse. So I had to do open mouth and open everything breathing. So you'll just kind of play with your breath and you'll, but you have so many tools of how to breathe. So it'll be like top of mind for you, which was helpful. I, um, John came in for a session with Sarah and he learned how to do the massage and he did that for me every night. I mean, I did tear, but I didn't have like my recovery for my vaginal was like nothing, probably because I had had a C-section first. So I was like, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. And you were such a rock star. I mean, you were like, this is what I really want. This is what I'm going to go for. I mean, you were such, you really prepared yourself well for it. I mean, you were a rock star. So I was so happy to hear that that VBAC went successfully for you. I was so happy. So for those of you that don't know, a VBAC is vaginal birth after cesarean. And so would you want to talk a little bit about how it's kind of common not to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the reasons the C-section rate is so high in the U.S. is because if you have a first baby or, you know, any baby via C-section, it's typically recommended that you have a following baby via C-section. And the reason is because there's a slightly higher risk of a uterine rupture because of the scar tissue on the uterus. So they'll just, instead of encouraging a VBAC, just say, oh, let's go ahead and do a C-section. So people are getting repeat C-sections, which is why that rate is so high. But for a VBAC, I mean, I find that a lot of doctors aren't doing it because of that very, very, very small increased risk. It's like from 1% to 2% of an increased risk of uterine rupture. So, you know, I'm a big fan of VBACs. I think if you find the right provider and the right support, it's a totally feasible way to go for in a delivery that's very straightforward. I know with higher risk birth, they may not be as open to them. But yeah, it's just promoting a vaginal delivery after a C-section. There's a group called ICAN, I-C-A-N, that big, it's a cesarean awareness network that has a ton of great resources on physicians and supporting women through that process. So and that's kind of where I am with that. But I mean, I've never had a C-section, so it's hard for me to, to uh, comment on that. But I just think that women who are able to have vaginal deliveries, there's just a different, the recovery is, I think, a little bit simpler and uh, just a different experience if you have the support to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. It was, a to- I mean, the C-section was, I just had a really tough recovery, I think more so than most people from what I've heard. But birth is just amazing. So Nicole, like whatever happens or whatever way she comes out, like (laughs) just soak it up because it is like, it is the coolest thing that I've ever done ever. That's awesome. That's awesome. And the, you know, the thing we've talked about, this is kind of back to the perineal massage is that it's also something you can do after you have the baby, maybe six to eight weeks after you deliver, if there is any tearing, it's that same massage technique to those tissues to help soften it if there's any pain with returning to intercourse or anything like that. So if you learn it early and then you just know exactly what to do afterwards as well, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, that's totally. Great. So we'll put in the show notes some resources on C-section, scar massage, and we'll find a video on the massage that Sarah was talking about. So we'll put resources to all the things that we're talking about so that you guys can look it up and then you guys know how to get a hold of us. So please contact us if you have any questions because... This is so important. And again, I think it's a conversation not many people are having. And I think a lot of women feel really alone. And a lot of women don't even talk to their girlfriends about this kind of stuff. 
So if you're my girlfriend, we talk about this stuff all the time. But I, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too. But I'm like the queen of TMI. So like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm not shy about anything. But um. I know. And I love that. <laughs> But I think it's super important because it's like, this is super scary from the outside. And then with no one talking about it, I'm like, this makes it scarier. Why aren't we talking about it? Right. <laughs> right. Right. And I think it's like I said, we just don't know what we don't know. And like I said, so often people come in and say, I just wish I would have known this sooner. So I agree with Angela that if you, you know, when it's happening, then you're kind of prepared because even with your second one, you kind of know what to expect. So you're like, oh, I kind of know. So maybe I'm scared, but you at least feel mentally prepared a little more. It's the same thing with this, I believe. So, you know, the more you know, I think is uh, powerful. Absolutely. So if you guys do have any questions, whether it's about this topic or anything that we talk about on the show, please send them in to podcast at AngelaWagnerCoaching.com. And we're also going to list Sarah's email on the show notes so you can get in contact with her if you have questions. And if you're in Louisiana, or you're in New Orleans, right? Yeah, New Orleans, Louisiana. So yeah. close by. She'll, mm-hmm. be check- she'll be starting to get back to work pretty soon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I still I say I'm on maternity leave still, but it's really just unemployment at this point. <laughs> so, but it's great. It's actually, you know, I don't think we're going to have any more kiddos, so I'm actually loving the time home and just getting my feet on the ground in my hometown again after 17 years and, you know, just not putting too much pressure on myself to race back to work cuz, you know, I won't have this time with my kiddo again. So it's good. But yeah, I will in the next month or two just be getting back into the clinic and I'm super excited about that as well. That's awesome. All right. So you have a very unique try this for our our listeners. Yeah. Well, if you're a male, you, this won't include you, but I said, you know, for a try, I said, look at your vagina with a mirror. The reason for that, it's like most people have never seen it. I remember a sex in the city episode where I think Charlotte looks at her vagina for the first time. And it's really the first time you feel a little bit like a deer in headlights. You're like, Whoa, that's what's going on down there. But It's really not, like I said, that mystical, not scary. It should just be like looking at any other part of your body. And I think if you check it out, then you'll know what it looks like normally. And then you can know what it looks like when something may not be working well with it or not be right with it. So I think that's important. The other thing is I know we all walk around thinking about Kegels, Kegels, and a lot of people aren't doing Kegels properly. So if you use a mirror, you can do a Kegel contraction and see what your body's actually doing. Like is your, are your muscles pulling up and in? Or are you pushing out? Because a Kegel should be an up and in towards the head movement. And the down and out should be the opposite of the Kegel, which is like a pooping or having a baby movement. So if you have a mirror, you can kind of see what your body's doing. And then you know what the right thing is. So if you're preparing for a baby, you know, take a mirror and practice that down and out. And that's what movement you should be doing when you're bearing down during delivery. So I think that that's just a really helpful tool to kind of check it out, see what's going on, know what's normal and not, and like know what those movements are that we all think we're doing all the time, but may not be doing properly. Oh, that's so cool. They actually ask you, Nicole, in childbirth, if you want a mirror to see. And I didn't want it because I didn't want to see the tearing. But right when she crowned, right when her head came out, John was like, oh, my God, there's hair. There's a baby. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, grab your phone. I want a picture. And he's like, that's weird. And I'm like, do it. You know? <laughs> 
That's I awesome. I mean, I haven't shared the picture with anybody, but it's really neat to see. Like, I know it- that is incredible. I wish. I mean, I asked for the mirror. My deliveries were so rapid. The first time we were at the hospital, three minutes before I delivered, and the second was fifteen minutes. So there was no mirror set up, and I totally wish I could have seen the the birth. I think that would have been really cool. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, but. Uh, okay, we'll finish with a shout out. So my shout out to my husband, Neil, who may or definitely actually will listen to this podcast because he's super <laughs> supportive. Um, but I don't give him enough credit. I mean, I love what I do. And I feel completely supported by him. And I'm able to do it because he works his tail off and takes care of the kids and helps out at home even after like 60 to 80 hour weeks. And so he's just a really awesome man. And I owe him a lot of credit. So shout out to Neil. Awesome. Good job, Neil. Good job. We (laughs) talked a little bit about this, but just so when we'll list this in the show notes, but our listeners can get a hold of you by following you on Instagram. It's the.vagina.whisper. Make sure you put in the periods. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Don't forget those periods. And your website is not launched yet, right? No, that's correct. So I am, that's, Right when I got to New Orleans, I um, have someone working on that now. So I'm going to be launching that. And it's just going to be kind of a resource center where people um, can follow the Instagram feed, blog posts. But I'm also going to be doing like virtual vagina therapy. So I get so many questions about what do I do for this or is this normal or so just being able to for people to access me and ask me questions and set up time to um, consult with me. And even I can help find them physical therapists in their air if they need it. But I've done it a few times already. And it's just really awesome. Because again, everybody wants somebody to talk to about their vagina, and they just don't have that person. So that's what that's for. Oh, that's so great. So the website's going to be the vagwhisper.com. And so you can bookmark that. And if you follow her on Instagram, she'll let you guys know when she launches it. That's so great. Well, I cannot thank you enough. We've talked about you being on the podcast for a while now. And I know you listened to some of the podcasts when you had baby in the stroller. So thank yes, you. Yes, it was great. That actually helped a lot with my walk. <laughs> I mean, you know, you want something good to listen to. So yes, when you launched it, I loved it. I think it's super fun. And I'm a fan of oversharing as well. So that's what I love about this is how real it is and how open, just really inspiring as well. So um, big fan big fan here. Uh, well, Nicole, do you have any final questions for Sarah? No, I think I'm good. Like I want to take this information and soak it all in. Yeah. And if you do have questions, I mean, holler or, but also don't be afraid to even call your girlfriends, call Angela, whoever, because we've all been there. And I think that that's, it can feel really isolating. And we, but anyone who's kind of been through that experience, we have so much info to share. That's what I found after trying to nurse and having a baby my friends were my best support system. So holla at your girl anytime. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Spark. If you have a few extra minutes, please do an act of kindness and leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends. It really helps us out. You can find the show notes and blog posts at AngelaWagnerCoaching.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Coach A. Wags. Remember this week to take the time to give thanks, raise a glass, and discover what it is that sparks you.